from St. Paul's epistle to the Galatians, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning, friends. I'm glad to see you all here. I didn't think we'd had this many, actually. The, uh, last night and this morning were pretty light. It is July 4th, well, kind of, July 4th weekend, I guess. Uh, but today, you're in luck because we are wrapping up our mini-series from St. Paul's Epistle to the Galatians. And we're going to wrap up today with chapter 6, which we just read in its entirety. And if you were here last week, and many of you were, you heard me preach about Paul's idea of freedom and how Paul unpacks this idea of freedom and uh, shows us that how Christ is the one who actually sets us free. And if you recall from last week, this idea of freedom is a tricky idea because most people think of freedom as lack of restriction, right? Do whatever you want to do, right? Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, that kind of thing. But actually, what, what Christian freedom is about is not that, not a, not a removal of restriction, but actually the freedom, listen, this is really important, Christian freedom, according to Paul, and according to Scripture, is about becoming the man or woman that God intended you to be. In other words, to have the freedom to become what you want to be. And I don't mean in some sense of, you know, being an astronaut or being a physicist. I mean being who you existentially desire to be. That's what Christian freedom is all about. And Paul, in fact, defines it a little bit in chapter 5 from last week. And he says, you are free to be the things that you want to be, joyful and peaceful and kind and self-controlled. These are all the things that you want, and so do I. And it's kind of actually, and if it sounds too spiritual for you, it's kind of common sense. And I'll give you an example. Um, is there anybody in this room who wishes they were less kind? Anybody? Anybody who wishes you were less patient? Anybody who wishes you were less controlled? Except for Mark. <laughs> Paul makes the claim, you see, that the things that we actually want are the things that Christ gives us freedom to become. And he makes this outrageous claim, Paul does, that Jesus gives us this freedom by setting us free from our sins, by dying on the cross, taking our sin away, and freeing us from our own sins and the guilt and regret and shame that we carry from past mistakes which you and I have all made. But also, a different angle that he talks about last week is we are also free to forgive others who have sinned against us. This, to me, is the powerful one. Because it's kind of easy, to me anyway, it's easier to forgive yourself than to forgive somebody else. Amen? And so what Jesus, Paul is saying is Christ sets us free so that we can in turn forgive somebody else and therefore have the very freedom we desire. So, all that's to say <laughs> that Paul is talking about how Christ sets us free. And as far as I can tell, as far as I can tell, and if you think I'm wrong, call me on it later. As far as I can tell, I think the whole process of the Christian life, once you become a Christian and you mean it and you're the real deal, the whole point of the Christian life is to learn to accept this freedom. And it's harder to do than you think. But Paul actually, Paul actually gives us an, a metaphor, which is a beautiful metaphor of sowing and reaping, 
to help us kind of latch on to this freedom that Christ sets us, gives us. And I want to dial in on this idea of becoming free with this wonderful metaphor that Paul gives us of sowing and reaping. Paul writes, God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. That sounds condemning, but it's actually liberating. And I'll show you how in a minute. And the reason is because Paul lays out, it's a little weird because in Galatians, Paul lays out repeatedly how we are not saved by our own effort, but by Christ's death on the cross in our place. And so wait a minute, Paul, you're going to wrap up by telling me that I reap what I sow? Haven't you just kind of undermined the entire gospel? Not at all. What Paul is saying is that once you are saved, once you are a Christian, the decisions still matter. And in fact, the decisions we make, listen, have profound impact on our lives. We, in fact, do reap what we sow. And so the pastoral encouragement today, we're going to jump in about this, is to be, be frosty, be cautious, be careful. Sow with intention because you'll reap the fruit of that decision. So three things I'm going to look at briefly today. This idea of sowing and reaping. I'm not a farmer, so if I make a mistake in my farmer analogy, forgive me. <laughs> but three things I want to look at. I want to, I want to look at the type of seed that you sow. The type of seed that you sow, the quality of the seed that you sow, and the quantity. The type, the quality, and the quantity of the seed that you sow, and how that bears a consequence on your life. Y'all ready? All right, so the first thing I want to look at here, point number one, is the type of seed that you sow. In case you don't know this, sowing and reaping, sowing is basically just planting a garden, and reaping is then going and collecting the harvest. So you sow a seed, you plant whatever it is in the ground, and then it grows over time, it germinates, it, it, it flourishes, and then you go through later and you reap. You cut off the fruit, and you enjoy it. John Stott, Father John Stott, Listen to this. This is simple and profound. He says this. It is not the reapers who determine what a harvest is going to be like, but the sower. Listen to that again. It is not the reaper, it's not the guy that comes through and cuts down the wheat that determines the result of the harvest. It is the sower. What does that mean? Well, I think the, what that means to me and what Paul's driving it is that that's an important detail because it puts you and I, you see, in the driver's seat. Most people in my experience, maybe your mileage varies, but most people that I know and I speak to uh, like to think of themselves as being victims of their circumstances, that life kind of unfolds around them beyond their control and that they are a victim of, of things which have occurred. What Paul says is, hang on, yes, there are things that, you did, that happened to you that weren't your fault, I'll grant that, but when he says you reap what you sow, he's actually giving you a much more empowering and honest and sincere perspective on the world. That what you and I do largely determines what happens to us. Look, if Jesus dies on the cross to save you from your sins, which he does, he claims, you've only got one of two choices, accept it or reject it. Right? If Christ dies on the cross to pay for your sins and give you this freedom, you've got two options. Take it or leave it. And most people leave it. But if you claim it, name it and claim it, the Baptists say, then your life choices, your decisions matter. What you sow, you will reap. 
Just the other day, I'll give you an example. I, I think a lot of times we sow unintentionally. Let me give you an example. My daughter Katie was driving home July 4th, which is just three days ago. It was a big fireworks show in Riverside Park. Some of you were there. Some of you were out watching the fireworks from somewhere. Anyway, Katie was driving north on Indian River Boulevard. We live up that way a little bit, not far from here. And she's driving up right by the intersection of 37th, which is a dangerous intersection. She passes the intersection of 37th, and she sees a woman. It's 11 o'clock, maybe 11.15 at night. A woman who is <laughs> drunk in the spirit, <laughs> you might say. No, she was loaded. She was very, very, she was highly intoxicated, staggering along Indian River Boulevard at 11.15 at night. Her shirt was kind of halfway off, and she was just a mess. And Katie drove by, and as she was driving by, the woman fell over into the bushes. It's terrible. And so she called me. She said, Dad, what do I do? I was home in bed, frankly. And uh, she said, Dad, what do I do? I said, well, Katie, call the police, which she did, gave a description, and they went and found this woman. But the point I want you to see here is I'm willing to bet, I'll bet a hundred bucks that that woman in that morning, where that woman went to the fireworks show, assuming that's where she was coming from, she didn't sit there and say, you know, I got an idea. I think I'm going to sit back and get so drunk that I have to stagger home along Indian River Boulevard. Do you think she did that? I think what happened was that this, the seed that she, that she sowed, whether it was who she was hanging around with or what she, I don't know what she was doing. I don't even know what she looked like. But the point is her consequences were a decision she had made and she hadn't thought it through. Bad decisions, friends, or good ones, are consequ have consequences. So here's the question. What type of seed? What sort of decisions? What actions are you taking? What seed are you sowing? Because you will reap it. Did you ever stop and consider something profound and simple? That the harvest, the fruit that we all want is pretty much the same. I mean, the specifics vary, but pretty much everybody wants to be happy and patient and kind, courageous, it's all the things that Paul describes in chapter 5. We pretty much all want the same harvest. We all want to be free. Is there anyone in this room who doesn't want to be happy? Or doesn't want to be kind? Or doesn't want to be content? Or doesn't want to be free of worry? Anybody? No. Why not? Well, because we all want the same thing. We all seek the same harvest. Love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control. And we seek these things, like I pointed out last week, because God created us for them. And what, Paul, what Scripture is reminding us is that the decisions that we make, the decisions that we make determine whether or not that harvest is going to bear fruit or not. Paul says that there are two ways, two ways, spirit and, spirit and flesh. And the fruit of the flesh, Paul says, is this. In other words, if you sow into the flesh, I'll get to it in a minute, these things are obvious. He says sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, rivalry, dissension, divisions, envy. So what's it going to be, friends? What kind of fruit do you want? That's the kind of seed you have to sow. Do you want love or do you want jealousy? Do you want peace or do you want dissension? Do you want contentedness or do you want jealousy? because you want that 26-foot boat that your friend has and you don't have one. For example. <laughs> Friends, what type of seed do you sow? Because that seed will bear fruit in your heart. 
If you're like me, and like most people, you want peace, joy, love, and the rest of it, but you do it according to worldly standards. You follow the ways of the world. John Stotts again says that many people are deceived concerning the law of seed and harvest. They sow their seed thoughtlessly, nonchalantly, and blind themselves to the fact that the seeds they sow will inevitably produce a corresponding harvest. So here's the question. Here's the gut check for today. It's, not, it's profound and simple. What kind of seed do you sow? We have a new, uh, the woman who is my... Um, preschool director. Her name is Rini, and she has a great expression, which I've heard before, but I've never actually used it myself. And she talks about people in her parish, and she said, I'm just spending a lot of time pouring into Mary, pouring into Bob. I'm like, that's not something I would ordinarily say, but the image really struck me, because what she's saying is she is sowing peace and joy into a person. She's bearing that person's burden. What kind of seed do you sow? And my second point that leads me to the quality of the seed. What does that mean, Rodriguez? Well, Paul actually says it in two ways. It's not obvious at first, but I'm going to show you what he means. He talks about sowing seed in the flesh or sowing in the spirit. What does that mean? Well, simply it means this. To sow in the flesh is to sow a me-centered life. To sow in the flesh is to do things in your life and make decisions that have one, uh, one goal, and that's me. I don't mean me, I mean the person making the decision. That's what a flesh-oriented seed has to do with. But then Paul says, but the spirit, seed of the spirit, are seed which are cast outward. And if that sounds a little bit confusing to you, it shouldn't because this idea of seed sown in the flesh and seed sown in the spirit of planting into myself or planting into God and others, we say this every single week. As Anglicans, I'll quote Jesus, you shall love the Lord. This is a spiritual seed. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. For this is the first and great commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Living in the spirit isn't some, you know, heady, new age, nebulous spiritual quest. Nonsense. Living in the Spirit just means loving God first and putting Him first and loving His people second. In other words, you come in a close third, maybe fourth. Living in the Spirit is living a the-centered life and not a me-centered life. And if you know anybody who has lived a self-centered life, you know the fruit Jealousy, dissension, envy, rivalry, strife, all the things Paul lays out. You ever meet somebody who lives a life for somebody else with God first and focused on their neighbor second? What do you find? You find a person who's got joy and peace and contentedness and kindness. This is not just spiritual mumbo-jumbo, friends. This is truth. What type of seed are you sowing? Are you sowing for yourself or are you sowing towards God and his people. Somebody once said, this is a great quote, that hell is where you get what you want. I'm right now, like, I would like to really buy a boat right now. My wife won't let me. Um, but I bet it would be hell if I got one. <laughs> hell is where you get what you want. What that means is when you've got a life with this seed sown upon yourself, it leaves you 
completely, utterly unsatisfied, but a, but a the-centered, an outward-focused life focuses on the joy and peace and harvest that you desire. We reap what we sow. We get what we ask for. Remember, it's the sower. It's the sower, not the reaper. It is the decisions that we make that determine the fruit of the harvest of your life. And so finally, if, if it's the quality of the seed which determines what our lives look like, then the third thing I'm going to look at is the quantity, and I'm going to wrap up. You can sow good seed. You can make a decision today, now, to do something to sow a seed. That's great. And it's actually incredibly practical. Just pick one thing. Don't overthink it. But the quality of your harvest is directly proportional to the quantity, not just the quality of the seed that you, that you sow. The fruit of the spirit, you, the fruit of the life that you seek is directly proportional to the effort that you put in. So let me put it to you like this. Is church just something you do when you got nothing else going on? Is church something which you do when you're not working or not busy with something else? Or is this the focus of your life? Is your life a God-focused life? You cannot be a casual Christian. People do it, but they don't bear fruit of a, they don't bear a fruitful harvest. Church is not just something, friends, you, you do it in your, when your calendar is clear. Jesus will take no back seat to anyone or anything. So if you want the joy and the peace and the patience and self-control and the harvest that you desire, you got to go full in, man. You got to go full throttle. You must sow the, sow the seed of the Spirit and commit to it fully. Christians are required, have always been required to be in church every Sunday, every week. Not because God needs it, but because you do, and so do I. And if you want a, if you want a life committed to God totally, you've got to commit to God totally. Quantity, not just quality, matters. Friends, here is the end of the matter. You are not made right with God by what you do. Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins, to free you from your past so that you can be free to cast seed for the future. Jesus died for me. He died for you. You are a new creation. The old has passed. The new has come. Let me challenge you this morning to cast your seed to a the-centered life, a life where the seed you sow are focused outward on God first and your neighbor second. Paul says, the decision is before you. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. So choose wisely and sow generously. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for setting us free from the slavery of our past and from the wrongs committed against us, the, the power and the choice and the grace you give us to forgive others who have hurt, have hurt us. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus who died on the cross to save us. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom to which you call us. We thank you, Lord, for your word which challenges us to cast our seed intentionally and deliberately. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.